And now it's time for a Geek Speak with GK Technologies, Sarah and Jody. In the fields again. I just can't wait to get in the fields again. The life I love is spreading potash for my friends. And I can't wait to get in the fields again. No, I can't wait to get in the fields again. Today's podcast, we have a great conversation with Kelly Sharp and Darren Johnson, who are the owners of GK Technology. We thought before we dove into that particular conversation, we wanted to give a little bit of a preview for some of the context around the conversation that you're going to hear. GK Technology is a company that hails out of Halstead, Minnesota, And it is a company that's a pioneering company in the world of precision agriculture and the precision agriculture industry. What GK provides is not only software for mapping, so products like ADMS, um, SD drain, SD tile, um, but also mapping services. GK Technology has ADMS software that is a precision agriculture mapping software. It really allows you to work with your data and really manipulate it and work with your data to turn it into actionable items like prescriptions or surface drainage maps. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of flexibility with what you can do with that platform. SD drain and SD tile software, they are actually in the cabs of tractors and they help farmers know where to create ditches and drop their dirt when they're doing drainage or how to place tile in the ground. I I think it's important to talk also about how, so in general, GK Technology is a software company. And importantly, it's, it's software that has been developed kind of at the beginning of precision agriculture and using software to take agronomic data or landscape data and aggregate it into actionable items for for farmers. And it's evolved and changed a lot. It's it's changed a ton since Darren first started programming this in the late 90s. But importantly, it's it's still around too. So it's a a platform that has really evolved to um, customer suggestions and customer needs. And we imagine a, a big future or a continued future of using the software and providing that support to our customers to make sure that they can get Um, the maps that help their controllers in the field run and help farmers apply what they want, where they want it, or help them to place tile or surface drainage where they want it to be. I also think it's important to, for, for listeners to get a little bit of context because GK Technology is really a pioneering company in the world of precision agriculture. Darren and Kelly's background really is in agronomy. They were agronomists first. Darren Johnson is a self-taught computer programmer. And and he, he, he's always been interested in tech, but he was a self-taught computer programmer. But his background was working in agronomy to bring this, his, his programming skills, kind of merging with agronomy to bring to life the technology that we've got in front of us. And Kelly also... His background is in agronomy, and he was really seeing how this technology came to light. He's got a huge background working with different kinds of equipment that was kind of ingrained to him with with his background. So as you listen to this podcast, I really encourage you 
to listen to that background of, of coming out of the agronomy industry and how they were able to merge that with technology and grow it into a business when, quite frankly, others were not necessarily doing that at that point in time. It was There were very few on the marketplace at that time. I, I feel very privileged to have the opportunity to work for GK Technology. It really is a great experience being able to take this technology out to farmers, agronomists, and agri-tailers, helping them with their uh, precision agriculture needs and data management needs and, and, and accomplish what they want to accomplish. And so I really enjoyed this conversation with Darren and Kelly from that standpoint. I certainly hope that that you enjoy this from the audience perspective, getting a chance to really see where where GK Technology came from. So sit back, relax, and join us in our conversation with the owners of GK Technology, Darren Johnson and Kelly Sharp. No, I can't wait to get in the fields again. Darren, what what really got you interested in precision agriculture? I've always been techie and... Um, Oh, it was always kind of a necessity. I mean, I I took a job at a, well, I'd, I'd run a soil tech in the field here in Halstead. We just asked for a spare machine from a company we were doing business with, and all they had was a soil tech. So I was the only one that could figure out how to run that, so I ran that one. So I, and then got an opportunity to take a job at, at Castleton, where they had the second soil tech in the country. And hadn't really put it to a lot of use and decided that I was going to try and put it to use down there and did some, we did four fields of grid sampling and that was before GPS. So it, uh, you would go out with a, um, nobody even knows what these are anymore, Kelkin acre and drive across the field and set out flags and then drive for another 400 feet down the field and set another row of flags and then you go out and sample them all and come back and, send the data and the flag locations off to Minneapolis and they would put together literally a chip that they would send back to you that you would slide into the machine and lock into place. And then since there was no GPS on the machine, you'd say, I'm going to start here and then I'm going to drive this way. And then you would just drive that way and the radar gun would keep track of how far down the field they were, kind of. So <laughs> I hate to ask a really basic question, but what is a soil tech? Yeah, that was my question. Too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. So the, 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 even today, I believe they're still called soil techs, the six bin and you know, the multi bin machines uh, nowadays. Oh, they're so, they were so hard, hard to keep working that uh, most people have gone to twin bins or things like that. Um, but a soil tech was a full, I mean, it had six product bins and, uh, two micronutrient bins and a couple of impregnation pumps. And I mean, it, it was a really rare occurrence where there wasn't, you know, one or two bins that were broken with something, a rate sensor <laughs> or, a, you know, of course there's been, you know, you'd be chaining bins together and, and if the bin sensors were out, then that function wouldn't work. And, and the sensors weren't very good, so you were pulling sensors off at night and setting them on a on a furnace in the office to have them dry out so they'd work the next day. <coughs> it was always quite a challenge to to keep that machine running, and uh, I kind of that experience of those first years just made me go. I 
think we can let this wait a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So the the soil tech itself was like the precision applicator. Right. It was a spreader truck. Okay. Yep. And it was made by Egg Chem at the time, was it not? Uh, Laurel started it. Laurel started it. Yep. And Egg Chem went out and bought Soil Tech away from Laurel. Or actually, no, there was a, there was a lawsuit. And um, Laurel won the lawsuit, and Egg Chem bought the company rather than pay the damages. So. Hmm, that's one business uh, strategy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, like, with the Soil Tech, did the soil sampling part come with it? Were they, they were, like, was part of Soil Tech the going out and figuring out the grids and then no that was that was to be done by the owners okay yep they they just did the mapping to start with they would you know because you know nobody had the the computer power to you know at at the time you know our computer i think i had an ibm pc at on my desktop so it was you know had, had, had two floppies it was, it was the high-powered one. And, and to give, like, uh, the podcaster listeners at home a sense of, like, how big that was, what was the size on your de- – like, what kind of space did that take up on An your desktop? An AT machine was probably 30 inches long by, you know, 10 to 12 inches tall and maybe 24 inches deep. So, I mean, yeah, it was a it was a big, good-sized case. And uh, how how what was your screen size? <sighs> it was a 12-inch – um, the, my particular one is a 12 inch amber screen. Yeah. One color. Yep. Nice. Yep. One color. Yep. <laughs> amber or black. That was the two colors. <laughs> Sorry. It was two colors. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you had, you had your choices though. It was, you could either have amber, green or white. So, so customizable. Ooh. That's so, <laughs> wow. That's pretty. Yep. Cutting edge. Yep. And it was at the yep. time. So when did you start programming software, or what got you interested in programming software? Tell us about I'd just always, starting that. I'd always, I'd always, you know, I'd done a little programming in high school and a little bit of programming in my college career, and, but it was always just a hobby. And uh, oh, got to the fertilizer plant, and we had a, a fertilizer blender there that was complicated, and there was only two of us in the company that knew how to, you know, manually sit down to the calculator and calculate out a blend. And... Calculator on a blend took a good, I don't know, five minutes with a calculator to calculate it out, figure out what speed to run motors at and and things to put it all together. And uh, so this might have still been there when you got to the elevator, but it uh, I wrote a package, and at that time the the books in the in Barnes & Noble were DOS for dummies and, and uh, business for boneheads, and I <laughs> wrote a package and... It actually had a logo that looked like the books and called it blending for boneheads. So, <laughs> And it was. It was still there when I was at the elevator. You could use it. Now, I could actually write, make a blend by hand, but but it was very handy when you wanted to do something that was just quick. Yep. Blending for boneheads. Yep. It was very awesome. Yep. So, it worked really well for, you know, our Ranko blender. It, uh, you know, it wasn't all that difficult to figure out how many pounds of everything to have, but to get the ratios correct and figure out, you know, how many pounds are coming out of this when it's at 100% full speed. And it was, it was a lot of work. It just took time. So. And that was the stuff when you were actually in the fertilizer plant that yep. you really needed that part of it. Yep. It was a big, big, big deal. Yep. So anyhow, that was, that was my first one. And then 
I got into precision, you know, further into precision agriculture again in 95 when GPS came out. And there was the big push. Uh, Shelley bought a soil tech and Climax bought a soil tech. And my board didn't buy a soil tech. So I had to find <laughs> something else. And I happened to find uh, the Rockwell Vision System. And uh, um, we put uh, one of those in. And uh, that fall, then all of a sudden we had, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think of, this was only capable of one product that year because they were still concerned about patent infringement with AgChem, the soil tech people. And so that, that box at that year had only, would only do one product. Well, I'd already sold it as, you know, being able to do N and P. <laughs> uh, so uh, they've got a picture of this someplace. But uh, I went and got another box. Beltrami had bought the same vision system, but they weren't doing variable rate with it. So I borrowed Beltrami's uh, vision box and a 750 monitor out of their Rogator and wired it all into my truck. So I've got two 750s sitting on top of each other and two vision systems sitting on top of the other. So you had four screens in that thing? Yep. <coughs> yep. And uh, <laughs> then... Uh, the ag chem people heard about it, and our, my ag chem rep came out and said, yeah, I brought some lawyers out. They'd like to take a look at this <laughs> setup. And I just went, rise? It's it's not Rockwell breaking your patent this year. It's me. <laughs> no, take them away. <laughs> but the next spring, they, Rockwell did go, you know, introduce the multi-product variable rate and Somebody said that, you know, you know, aren't you worried about AgChem? And, and the person that I talked to at Rockwell said, yeah, Rockwell's got more attorneys and AgChem's got employees, so <laughs> I think we'll be okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> you know you're doing something right um, when the attorneys start to come out. <laughs> Maybe not. This is not a legal advice podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is for agronomy and precision agriculture. Yep. yep. So, but, yeah, that was the early days. I mean, there was always you, – you'd always – think you were going to do something and you'd promise it one way and then you'd find a limitation that said no you can't do that and uh, my days at Rockwell were a lot of um, I wasn't so much in sales uh, I was the guy that they'd send out to train people and it got so that I'd walk in the door and they'd say okay so what'd they tell you what to do <laughs> 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 and then try and figure out how to do it so, and some of the salespeople weren't real ethical. I mean, there was, there was one guy that you know had an LCD monochrome screen in the box, and oh, it was going to be software upgradable to color next spring, but <laughs> which was <laughs> physically impossible. But, so that's funny. Well, that doesn't sound any different than the Falcon Twos that they're telling people that uh, that ten years down the road that now that they have this swath control stuff on a spinner spreader, you're going to have swath shut off and swath rate control on it. And they're telling people this. And it's like, how are you going to do that? That's pretty impressive if you're going to get just, just by, just by because other controllers in the market now have swath control. It's like, no, no, just because they have it doesn't mean that you can do it. Now that you added auto steer to your. (laughs) So, so Kelly, um, what, what got you interested in precision agriculture? I was working at Crystal Sugar. Actually, I started out at, at Crystal in 1993, and uh, Kelkin Acres were 
I was driving a uh, I was driving a '68 Camaro with a calcanacre on it. <laughs> Were you measuring fields with that? Yes, I was. Was it a fast measurement? It was the fastest around. <laughs> <laughs> but all bullshit aside, that's a that's a true story. I ran around I ran around for the summer of '93, '94, '95 doing wow calcanacres with. With that's my car. Crazy. That's what I was driving at the time. So Holy was, cow. <laughs> so people are like, what the heck are you doing out here? Measuring your field? <laughs> <laughs> I have a calcanacre back at my house. Um, do you ever get requests to let GK like to take calcanacre readings and convert them into map boundaries? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Which actually, which actually, so from my my standpoint, then I went to Crystal, and when I I was there and ended up going full time with them in 1998, 99, we did uh, we started doing field measurement, field boundary stuff, and uh, um, Darren was with a, another company at the time and they wrote the package for Crystal to write the yeah, boundary they, function and boundary data. The package. <laughs> they literally did. Yeah. So. yeah, and it got used to, used for a lot of years. I think they used it up until probably 2018 or so. But that was, you know, it would track, you know, it had a database in it all the way down to that compact IPAC we have in our museum up front. <laughs> and uh, it would download, you know, what fields had already been measured and it could tell them, you know, if they brought up a grower, it would tell them what fields had already been measured and what fields were left to be measured, and they'd drive out there and measure them, and then it would come back and unload itself and sink into the database. And and, uh, and the the other part of it is that the IPACs were just about a tax deductible. Uh, well, were, were like popping popping candy in your mouth the way <laughs> Crystal used them because there, there was no RAM, mo- RAM mount. We were holding them in our hands, strapping them on four wheelers, and and they were not designed to do that. The really <laughs> cruddy, you know, the, the the really fragile connectors on the bottom, like uh, you know, just think of a USB cable on your cell phone if you were going to hold it all day and and run around yeah. with it, and the USB cable had to be there. This wasn't oh. a nearly as strong as a USB no. cable. No, and no. these those things would, you know, probably you'd be, I don't know, how would how many days you'd get out of one before it puked, but about a week. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> if you're doing good, if yep. you're doing good. Yep. So, so uh, just just so that the podcast audience out there knows, if you ever get a chance to come to the international headquarters for um, GK Technology in Halstead, Minnesota, we actually have a Hall of Fame here of a lot of the hardware equipment that was used to get GK off of the ground. Uh, there is definitely one of those um, iPacks sitting there, as well as Darren Johnson's original computer for writing our software package. So if you're ever through here and you want to see um, some some of the uh, the the old fashioned stuff that made us get to where we are today, it's it's sitting there in the Hall of Fame. And Kelly, um, what were what were you or like? What was Crystal using those measurements for? Like, what were they keeping track of? Were they it's starting to do precision ag back then? Part of the part of the contract with Crystal is that if you plant an acre, they need to be able to measure that acre. So it's you've got a contract with them to grow X number of acres of sugar beets, and so that was part of it. Whether you go back to again back to the days of using the Calcan acre, or when they added the GPS component to it, and all the wonders of of the growth of the GPS component of it, even. But I mean, was 1996, Darren, when they released 
made made GPS public or opened it up to the public. In 90, 95, I believe. 95, yeah. 95. Maybe even 94. Maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but, I mean, would, when, when they made it, it was like, great, it's public. And all the manufacturers kind of went, Now oh, what? Let's make yeah, something. Yeah, what do I do with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I mean, you didn't even have, you didn't really have a market to go buy it from even. The, the government released it, and, and to go buy a GPS, they were only was, selling to... It, uh, was, it was tough to find. I mean, it, yeah. I, I wouldn't have known where to go buy one other than a couple of them. You know. There were some trimbles out there that were being put together by people, the boxes with you know correction signals in them. And uh, up until, I think it was 2000 when the selective ability, availability came off. Yeah. And back in those days, I mean, if you lost correction, you know, the correction would come in... Pretty common one was from uh, FM radio signals of a company called DCI, and you'd have a second correction signal coming um, from through the FM channels. And if you lost that for a second, if it fuzzed out as you went under a tree or a power line or something, um, the corrections were so bad at that time that um, you would jump like a half a mile. <laughs> You know, because oh, they, oh, they were being scrambled so that, you know. Darren's, Darren's being kind. I, <laughs> I I mean, it would snap to South Dakota. Yeah. I, oh, and we're in, we're in central North Dakota. It would, it would I mean, we get flyer points in our data set. So when he was, yep. when, when I started, when I was working at Crystal in my internship days in ni- 1994, we were, we had a big steel box in the back of the, of the four-wheeler that you'd turn around and had a laptop in there and mind you laptops were never ever intended to be <laughs> vibrated around inside of these and we didn't know anything so we were just taking like you know this like foam that you you know have for your camper and you know chopping in putting so that you can have a mount this laptop up in there and about midweek you'd you'd take the laptop out of there and you'd we, we put a piece of plastic in that we got smart and we put a piece of plastic in the bottom of it a little pan so you could take all the screws that fell out and put them back in the laptop because they were they were vibrating around so bad in there that the screws were literally falling out of the bottom of the laptop. You'd take it out and the screen would be falling <laughs> apart. And it's like, oh, this isn't uh, what this was designed to do. But I I I mean, the, even the laptop technology now. You buy a laptop if anyone's ever taken one apart. You now find that they are putting thread lock and stuff on them, and they weren't doing any of that stuff in this time. That the the screws were just screwed in. And anyways, it's the little things that uh, that we learned that it was like, oh. we need to do this differently. Yep. <laughs> yes. And when they when they when they went away from selective availability, things worked started working a lot better. But you know, keep in mind if we ever got in a wartime situation, uh, it could be that your GPS becomes useless very quickly. The government could very easily switch it back on, and yep. and our hmm. GPS could be accurate to within a mile instead of several feet. And, and to Darren's point, it's not only that they're turning it off, but they're actually scrambling it. Yep. That is an interesting thing to think about that's, that could definitely impact and, things, huh? And yep. for, for you people wearing green underwear out there, John Deere does not, repeat, does not have their own satellites in space. <laughs> Correct. That is a fact. So, there it is. From the soapbox of Kelly Sharp, right there. <laughs> oh well, well we've heard it. We've all heard it over the years that oh, it's the John Deere signal that we're using, and it's like no, no, it's <laughs> it's John Deere's using the same satellites as the rest of us. But uh, but I mean, these were the days that we had to go through that education with growers, because how many times did Darren hear about the these John Deere satellites? And disclaimer: nobody else out there has their own satellites either. <laughs> you're no. you're using a GPS signal, so. 
but um, from from some pretty major countries. They, they, yeah, they, they, yeah, they do have their own correction signals. Mark. Absolutely, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, correct. Absolutely, yep. correction. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, something so, on the face of the earth. Something on the face of the earth. Yep. So, out of curiosity, you know, I've talked a little bit about what got you interested in precision agriculture. But what really was your road to getting GK Technologies started? And what did the early days of GK Technology look like for both of you? What what got you starting your own company? And and Kelly, what got you wanting to join up with Darren? And I think we'll start with with Darren since I know you started the company first, yep. and then uh, and then well, and and let's be clear about this as we dodge forward. It was, it was GK Technology is actually the real name of it started out as. Which is another question that we actually Darren? had for you. What oh, is really? the name of the company? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was Geek Tech for Ag. And uh, when I had my wife put together the logo, for, um, we were at, we were calling it Geek Geek Technology for Agriculture, and she just couldn't do that. So she, if you look at our logo to this day, there's two little E's inside the, the GK. And that's from the the early days of it being Geek Tech for Ag or GK Geek Technology for Agriculture. It's okay, Darren. We had your back. That's that's why the podcast is called Geek Eggs. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's a really important. I think a lot of people look at the the company logo and ask, "What does the GK stand for?" Yep. Um, but I don't think a lot of people make that connection that it stands for geek. Yeah. And and more people need cheaters apparently because the little <laughs> EE is yeah. in there. So. <laughs> yep. So and I don't know. I just had a you know I I had been in with a, a previous company, the one where I wrote the the management software for collecting boundaries for American Crystal, and I just started th- seeing things for like, mass marketing of of precision agriculture that I thought I could do to, to help speed things up. And uh, that led on to another package for American Crystal where we um, took the field boundaries that all the agriculturists had collected and laid them in over the top of satellite imagery and cut out satellite images for every beet field in the valley and you know delivered, delivered those to the agriculturalists. And... Uh, the software that for that the first year, I think we worked for four months to do it. And the next year, um, I wrote it by hand and we got three or four people in to come and click buttons and line up satellite images. So it was, wow. it was really, you know, if you think of the, of the, uh, oh, the place where we slide images in ADMS, um, you click, 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 you know, and they just line it up, click, 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 save, click, 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 Like save. where we're doing the satellite extract and yep. then where yep. you line up those images. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So they would just do that. I mean, that was all they had to do. We'd, we'd been out, we'd looked at the fields, we knew what reflectances we wanted to set them to, what was going to be green beets, what was going to be yellow beets. And, and we had those numbers all built in when they started going. And the next year, I think it was less than a week to, to do the whole valley. Wow. No, no. Wow. When he says the whole valley, for those of you guys that aren't from around the area, this is a half half million acres of uh, half million acres of sugar beets. So there's uh, there's stretching there's a few. forty miles wide by two hundred miles two hundred miles north. So, yep. Yep. so but so. that's a lot of acres to get done in a week. A half million acres <laughs> of sugar beets in a week versus Abs- four months. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So so making the point making the point to drive home the power of of some computer programming. That it goes a long ways to what you know when when we talk about you know part of our model is you know bringing technological solutions 
to agricultural cultural problems. I mean, it's it's this is it. I mean, oh yeah, we can make this happen, but you know, you want to turn around time on a field. Oh man, it's going to take you know if I have to go get that satellite imagery and then do the extracts and do all those steps. I mean, back then that would have been a pretty major pretty major undertaking. And how long did it take to actually download the satellite imagery? I mean, I'm thinking about just the, it, it just what internet is like Dial today. Up. Yes. Yep. We the the first year we we were, we we were dial up at our first office, and then we moved and <laughs> oh, got a cable modem. But still, that was. It was only about twice dial-up, I think. It was when you went to download a, a scene, it took like four scenes to do the valley, and it was about a day to download each scene. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but that was in the back, back, you know, back in the days when, you know, Kelly was downloading MP3s, and it would take him half a day to get a song done. So. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. <laughs> and with, with, that, with that being said, though, they'd get all that stuff downloaded. How long did it take you to process a scene oh, once you sure. got it downloaded? Once you downloaded it, then everything had to be rotated and resampled, and and that would keep a computer busy for a half a day, too, at least. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was a long time. So just by comparison, and just so everybody understands, because uh, you know a lot of our customers go into our servers to get processed satellite imagery, and, and it's readily available. But how long does it take to download a scene today, and how long would it take to do that processing? I don't know, maybe a minute for both of them combined. <laughs> so that's how things <laughs> have changed. <laughs> well, re realistically, uh, we're blessed with really good internet here yeah. at the office. Yeah. So realistically, about five minutes to download a Landsat scene. And uh, for somebody who knew a newbie coming in, the, the processing the Landsat scene and having to read from the book, I'll give you another five minutes to do the to, okay. do, the, to do the process for the guy reading from the book. Once you've done it, though, realistically, a minute to yep. a minute to process the scene. No, but so. we yeah, I mean we we've got stuff in house that that you know they download fifty scenes at a time and point and put them all in one directory and yep. turn the software loose and it just goes. So. It does its thing. That's yep. That's the, pretty neat to think about the, where we've been compared to where we are. I think this is a really good place to stop the first half of our conversation with owners of GK Technology, Darren Johnson and Kelly Sharp. Remember, this is just the beginning of our two-part interview with Darren and Kelly. Next episode, we'll pick up where we left off and dive in deeper into the formation of GK Technology. In the meantime, get ready for some thought-provoking discussions and a deeper dive into the beginning of precision agriculture and GK Technology, where we have a map and an app for that. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time on Ag Geek Speak. No, I can't wait to get in the fields again. Let the geeks at GK Technology help you with your agricultural data. Their agronomists know agriculture. When it comes to creating soils and zone maps to maximize yields in your fields, you can trust the people with decades of experience in site-specific agriculture. Everyone at GK Technology has a background in agriculture, so they know what makes a farm run and they speak your language. The geeks at GK Technology have a map and an app for that.